0: topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitian's Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu.
1: Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. You are joining us for episode 291, Functional Approaches to Eye Health. In today's episode, we will be covering drivers of eye disease, nutrients to support eye health, and even how to navigate screen time and the impact on your vision.
2: Yes, it will come as probably no surprise to y'all as I feel like I'm harping on this. I have a section even of the anti-anxiety diet where I talk about blue light and dopamine, but we are seeing some shifts evolutionary with the use of screen time and how that's actually degrading our eye health. So that will be a big component of today's episode ways to navigate and lessen screen time mitigate the amount of time you're on screens adjusting your filters adding in blue blockers and then of course a lot of food is medicine and supplement strategy if we're dealing with cataracts to glaucoma to eye floaters and beyond yes all right before we go there any updates so we are in may now and things are definitely approaching the triple digits in the texas area so this is where we have just opened up our Beat the Heat probiotics special. So through the month of May, when you buy two bottles of naturally nourished probiotics, you get the third bottle at 50% off, when you use the code BEATTHEHEAT. And we've mentioned to you all before, you know, this is the time to probably capitalize on the more expensive strains or bottles. So we're talking about the Rebuild Spectrum and the Targeted Strength Probiotic, which are more in the $60 to $70 price point. Um, Obviously, if you add on a bottle of Restore Baseline Probiotic, that would be the bottle that would be charged at that 50% Mm -hmm. discount. So this might be a time to go for committing through your fall um, or you know, investing for your household to get you the idea is to get you through the summer so that we aren't dealing with transport issues on hot trucks. And now we have done the due diligence and we will be pushing out in our newsletter and we can link the page here on the stability of our billions of colony forming units, even upwards of temperatures up to 120 degrees, is it? Yep. And we definitely have stability still through what is stated on the label and some even higher viability than what's stated on the label even under those intensive temperature conditions. But we know it makes y'all a little bit anxious when you receive your probiotics that many of you store in the refrigerator and they're you know a little bit warm to touch in the bottle. So that's why we push this Beat the Heat so that you purchase your bottles for May, June, July, and August all at one time. So if you're taking Targeted Strength Probiotic or Rebuild Spectrum, again, I would really emphasize doing an order with those capitalize on your free shipping still get the savings on the more pricey bottles and then you know maybe do the beat the heat in another macro supplement order that you place the next week and that's where you could do three bottles of that restore baseline to get that you know a little bit less savings a little bit less bang for your buck than the big spenders if you will yes you can use the discount code as many times as
1: you like. No limit to that. Just, you know, be aware that it'll be on the lowest price item, the 50%.
2: And you may want to, if you're participating in Beat the Heat, adjust your supplement subscriptions yes. again. So yep. if you're ordering through the summer, you might want to put on hold your probiotic subscriptions. Um, and just to note, both Becky and I in our household, we keep our probiotics actually just at a room temperature. Um, so they are, again, going to be stable under room temperature I want to say shelf stable basically Um, as long as you're keeping that cap on and you're keeping that um, oxygen or moisture regulating pack that is always in our supplement bottles Um, you know keeping it just like on your vanity or your nightstand is a really great way for consistency one less step of going back into the kitchen and opening that refrigerator. I I have so many clients
1: that say that. They're like, it's in the fridge. I forget to take it. I'm like, you got to
2: move it to your nightstand. That's why you got to do that. And truly, you know, the more condensation we'll get with temperature change. So if you're keeping it in the cold refrigerator and then you're putting it at the um, countertop for a couple hours and then putting it back in the refrigerator, you're pretty much going to be in a better place, keeping it stable in a temperature Mm -hmm. versus dynamic variability. So for the past like three, four years, I've been keeping all my probiotics just at room temp. All right. um, Before we get into today's
1: episode, let's just have a quick word from our sponsor for this episode, Santa Cruz Medicinals.
2: Yes. So you all know that we are big fans of cannabidiol, or CBD. This is the non-psychoactive component of the cannabis plant that is anti-inflammatory, neurologically supportive, and anxiolytic, or anxiety and stress reducing. So CBD can be used to ease social anxiety or dynamic times of stress as we're looking at the end of the school year coming and all of the events and graduations and uh, tournaments and sports and all these things picking up, this is a good time to up your CBD so that you're not getting bitey or irritable. Um, It can also be used as a great tool to support inflammation and pain management. There's a lot of research looking at the mechanisms of the endocannabinoid system that every human is wired with and how this integrates with our central nervous system as well as even our enteric nervous system or that brain in the gut. So we know that when we're using CBD that it can also take out that stimulus in the gut that can drive dynamic bowels like loose stool or that butterfly in the belly sensation as well as regulating if someone holds stress in their gut they may be dealing with constipation so it can even get some digestive support Uh, my favorite way to use cbd is in a tincture i love the santa cruz medicinals just pure uh combination with MCT and the MCT that they use is from a pure form of coconut and you can in fact see the shifts that happen with the phyto compounds as it gets a little bit pink when it's exposed to sunlight. You can keep it in your pantry in a cool dark place and it won't get that pink variability but I kind of think it's a pretty hue. It's pretty. Yeah it is pretty <laughs> um, and so that's a really great way to know that they're using really a whole food product there. Um, I use the most potent one that they have in their line which is 83 millimeter milligrams per ml and you can dose then you know sp- Flexibly based on your needs. I generally say at least 30 milligrams to have efficacy. And our friends at Santa Cruz Medicinals recommend doing a 100 milligram a day challenge for a week. And then you can always dose down or up once you establish the impact of that 100 milligrams per day. So this could be a combination of one of those droppers and maybe a capsule option that they have. They have some calm caps, which have uh, lion's mane as an atropic in there. Those were given away as a sampler at our women's wellness retreat a couple months back and were a huge hit and their deep sleep pack caps um, are also fabulous you can purchase these as a trial of four capsules instead of going for the bottle right away but each capsule is going to have a potent dose of 50 milligrams of cbd so you really do get a big impact there um, and can be used in combination with melatonin like our sleep support formula with the nervine herbs and melatonin one of those and one of the sleep supports from uh, santa cruz medicinals could be a a really beautiful path towards Cinderella dreams and waking up with the birds chirping all the good <laughs> things great yes uh, they also have fabulous pain salves i will say as i close out the ad space um so topicals ebsom salt bath blends with cbd and beautiful essential oils going over to scmedicinals.com that's scmedicinals.com standing for santa cruz medicinals use the code allie miller rd at checkout and you will save 15 percent on your order plus you will get free shipping
1: all right, so eye health is something I think we spend a lot of time, you know, in clinic <laughs> addressing, um, but it's kind of crazy. We've made it to almost 300 episodes and haven't really given a ton of attention Totally, to. right? Um, definitely hasn't gotten its own episode, that's no. for sure. No. Um, so let's first just set the scene. What do you think is the greatest driver
2: of eye stress or eye health decline? Well, I think, again, we kind of let the cat out of the bag in the opening, but what we're seeing in the last couple years, and especially markedly in the last decade, is the impact of screen time and really pandemic accelerated this as many americans were working from home and many kiddos transitioned from in-person schooling to online schooling and this had a dynamic increase on the amount of time spent in front of a screen then there's the continued use and maybe we even use the word abuse of social media platforms which play a huge role on addictive tendencies longer time on the screen not to mention most forms of communication are now done on screen. I mean, I'm one of those people that like once I get two text messages from a friend, I'm calling them. I'm like, no, 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 I don't have time for this and I don't want to look at letters and, um, you know, try to speak in concise language. Y'all know I'm long-winded anyway. So, you know, text, email, think of how many times now that our work email is connected to our phone. Um, there are now so many instead of in-person meetings, video conferences for communication and then, you know, in the evening for downtime, many people, go to the television so just another different screen and even worse so in the bedroom if it's dark and this is a lit screen which is going to further stress out the eyes we've seen a significant increase in screen related vision problems of people of all ages and the ocular consequences of too much screen time have actually formed a name or a condition, CVS, Computer Vision Syndrome. One study that we'll link here showed a significant increase in computer vision syndrome symptoms after only six to eight weeks of an increase of use. So that also means that after listening to today's episode, we'll talk about some techniques you can apply in the household. And in six to eight weeks' time, you could also have a marked improvement on supporting the vision within your household. Um, The study was called Computer Vision Syndrome During SARS-CoV-2 Outbreak in University Students, a Comparison Between Online Courses and Classroom Lectures. And they looked at responses from students that were having digital time of a high frequency, which was seven to nine hours. And I think that that's majority of adults that are working, right? Right. I mean, And even in office, I I think the big difference is you have more distractions and breakup. Mm -hmm. And that's what we see. We actually blink less when we're looking at a screen and we don't have movement around us. Like in an office setting, if you're in an office of 30 people and someone's behind you or you're hearing things, you're going to move your head around a lot more Mm -hmm. and you're actually going to blink and reflect fresh and lubricate right. your eye right. more than from working at home mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when you're in a less disruptive environment right so and you might get up and walk to a meeting that doesn't yeah. involve a yes. screen or
1: just take a break to the water cooler and whatnot and i find i don't do as much of that when i'm
2: at home interesting yes. so they compared those that had seven to nine hours a day compared to those that had two to four hours a day and the most highly reported symptoms were heavy eyelids dryness feeling of a foreign body um and that was like i guess in the eye yeah, or like the weight yeah, yeah. of the eye trying to clear something and um they actually looked at a correlation of the cbs dynamically with that increase in the screen time okay so i think it goes without saying screens are bad for our eyes mm-hmm. just how bad yeah yeah <laughs> So it's kind of like carpal tunnel syndrome in the sense of you know repeating small movements in one area, focus that'd be like in the wrist, of course, um, that this can create distress to that area. So the CVS results from a repeated tiny eye movement over and over, reading words on a screen, glancing back and forth between windows, or following motion of a video, video actually requires a lot of effort in the part of your eye muscles because you're kind of trying to continuously recalibrate it. And so your eyes are working over time to change the focus quickly. And when you look away from your screen and back to your screen, or you're repeatedly glancing down at printed papers or your keyboard, um, or your screen is flickering, we actually see if the monitor flickers, um, that this can actually uh, be quite an obstacle to stress out the eye. We know that computer vision syndrome symptoms um, or screen time overload can be dynamic with blurred or double vision, dry or red eyes, eye irritation, headaches and migraine, and even neck or back or neurological stress. Okay. And all of this is just the impact of of the screen itself and
1: kind of the quick processing and stress to the eyes without even hitting yet on the blue light element, which we know further is going to drive vision stress, uh, but can also drive some pretty significant dopamine depletion, which you talk about in the anti-anxiety diet.
2: Yeah. And, you know, we're seeing in the area, what is the area I want to say? I want to call it cyber village Um, tech. It's like the, you know, they're saying that it's moving to Austin, but it's like more in California. There's a word for it. I mean, cyber town. (laughs) <laughs> Silicon Valley. Yes, that's okay. what I'm trying to say. Like cyber, really, yes, okay. Silicon Valley. Okay. That's exactly right. Good, yeah. we didn't have to put in an yep. edit. Our brains yep. worked. Um, sort of, you know. But but that's really where we're starting to see these like actual like dopamine detox centers um. and a lot of the like biohacking where we're trying to offset this impact. Okay. Um, so when we look at natural light, natural light appears white, but it actually contains. The rainbow, right? Like a prism, right? So natural light has red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet light. And every color has a different energy level and wavelength. This isn't woo. This is like scientific spectrum spectrography if you will um so rays on the red end have longer wavelengths and less energy whereas the blue rays have shorter wavelengths and more energy the led light that is more in that blue light comes off of the digital screens and is made of more blue light than any other wavelength. so it's this shorter more density of energy And the blue light can benefit stimulus and productivity. It actually boosts alertness. It can aid in memory and cognitive function and maybe boost mood because of this dopamine influence. Um, Now, what can be concerning is that many of the screens don't get turned off with the sun or the natural circadian rhythm and so that blue light can negatively impact our circadian rhythm driving sleep difficulties or insomnia as well as a fatigue or sleep sleepiness during the day And we know that the blue light can reduce image contrast, which can contribute to digital eye strain or that CVS. Um, Over an extended period of time, we've seen that the blue light can cause damage directly to the retina. And it can play a huge role in age-related macular degeneration. And then when we're looking at the impact on dopamine, we know that the studies that show that alertness and that stimulation is because of the stimulus of dopamine. And dopamine, remember, is a catecholamine, or a stress-responding neurotransmitter. Too much dopamine can drive hypervigilance. So that's that alertness Mm -hmm. awareness. Too little dopamine can drive more of a flatness or an issue with concentration and focus. And again, this really gets exacerbated when we're looking at the social scrolling or the video games or something that has also an addictive like tapping Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. swiping type mentality. Um, That's going to give more of that bell whistle dopamine surge. And unfortunately, we're not often fueling these individuals with L-tyrosine, which is the amino acid that makes dopamine or with the B vitamins that aid in the conversion and the production of dopamine. And so we're getting this high stimulus. which leads to depletion and that can then create depression flatness apathy or more adhd
1: and that like addictive tendency where it's like i need my screen to get that you know goodness or i need more time on social media or you know video games forget it Um, and it looks like kids can actually be more impacted by this blue light. Yeah,
2: there was a study called The Effects of Blue Light on the Circadian System and Eye Physiology. Um, This was published in 2016, and it demonstrated that a child's eye absorbs more blue light energy from a digital screen, screen than an adult's. So the effects could absolutely be more severe. And, you know, also, this is when they're trying to develop that eye as a muscle. And if we think about it, if we think with evolutionary times, you know, how often the eye had to actually see in the dark. Now, so many individuals, there's such an influx of night blindness because our eyes aren't used to calibrating or adapting. Um, And before, in like hunter-gatherer days, there was it's hypothesized that our vision has just continued to decline because we're not using that muscle if you will don't have to work as hard yes and so when we're getting kids with this bright high energy density um, short wavelength blue light right at the bat on their strollers in their tablets and that's priming their brain connection their neurotransmitters and their eye muscles if you will and neurological function that's quite a handicap that we're setting them up for in adulthood totally um, so really using some
1: strict guidelines, I think, in the household and, and for ourselves as well, right, um, setting the example as, as the parents um, is really key as far as, you know, screen time and avoidance and all of the things. But let's talk about kind of what's reasonable and and. Pros and cons of, you know, social media screen time and games and other, you know, leisure use, if you will.
2: Yeah. So I think the biggest thing is to get social media off of your phone. And this is not just because I'm shadow banned, Um, (laughs) but I have found such huge freedom with doing so. It's almost been, um, let's see. So as of, December two years ago so this December was a full year anniversary of me pulling social off my phone and um, it is wild how much more connected I am when Stella's around and or Brady or a friend Um, I mean I can recall pathetically enough um, you know breastfeeding days when I would scroll Mm -hmm. social media while breastfeeding And like that's really sad, just energetically and and stimulus wise, you know, if Stella's my one and done baby, like I could have really been a lot more present in that experience and that moment and that nourishment um versus distracting with something that really is meaningless. Right. Um, And then like the phone being in close proximity to the baby. I always think about that too. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. No doubt, no doubt. So I think taking social media off your phone is huge this is a great detox for your brain Um, also of course distraction and staying more connected like I said Um, this is also something that will reduce likely anxiety if you have news feeds and all the other things and also for your privacy we know that anytime you're using a social media app that you're giving access to your camera and mic we've all seen it where you talk about a kayak and a kayak ad pops up Mm -hmm. and etc and so this is a really great practice where you're likely only using your phone for texting, calls, a map app, you know, and then like an alarm setting or something like sure. that. Um, I'm even toying with the idea of pulling my email off my phone because that's right now the most yeah. phone time that yeah. I have. And do you actually respond to emails on your phone or you
1: just look at them and get stressed out about them Exactly. For later? That's yeah. what I do. I mark right. them as unread because I'm not going to, unless it's a very urgent thing that yes. I can, you know, answer in one sentence. Which isn't less than...
2: of my inbox. (laughs) Totally. I agree. So, you know, I think that, you know, the most things that you can take off making your phone a less smartphone, if you will, Mm -hmm. is going to be a great way to work as kind of like a physical barrier. And then definitely, you know, thinking of if if that doesn't work for you, at least maybe set some parameters of when you access those apps. Um, But I really think that you can access those things logged into a computer, and that's a lot easier of a time to be more disciplined, if you will. Yeah. And then being really mindful of. Of trying to follow that circadian rhythm it's equally important to get in natural sunlight before blue light in the first hour of rise so don't be one of those roll over um, and start scrolling the yeah. news feed before you get the kids up you know roll over do a little bit of like morning sun salutation drink your 8-12 ounces of water say a prayer or some gratitude go to the restroom take your morning supplements and turn on some music maybe um, you know again that's also a great way to retain your energy versus allowing to be pulled by right. some other um, agenda or some other narrative or some other force outside of your control. And I found that so much as an energy and brain suck during pandemic. It'd be like, yeah. I could wake up happy and I could be pissed off. Yeah, totally, within... within three seconds. Yep, <laughs> yep, yes. totally, totally.
1: I, I give that as homework for a lot of my clients dealing with significant adrenal fatigue. Yes. Um, the getting outside 10 to 15 minutes of, of natural sunlight to really truly reset that circadian rhythm and honestly, you know, can be just as effective as some of the supplementation tools we bring in for them.
2: Yes. And then in the evening, that's really a good time to, I know there's also that classic like, okay, kids are down. This is my time. Mm -hmm. So Netflix and chill or, you know, grab the social scroll there, Um, you know, as best as we can to be mindful of that circadian light in the evening and try to limit that bright LED blue light in the nighttime. Yes, and that means you know, also not, not working, not
1: working in your bed with the laptop, and not having like the shows and yes, movies and things, or at least limiting those to like more of a special occasion versus. Yeah nightly thing or even
2: time like yeah. maybe it's like you get one 30 minutes yeah. right or 45 minutes versus rolling it for two hours yeah. um and you know even if it's just starting a behavior of like brady and i have one night a week that we focus on like okay we're gonna play music and we're gonna do like sensuality and connection time and it's a lot better again than passive so it's like you turn on music and you give each other a massage or whatever um i think sometimes it's like okay to plan that it feels like another thing but ultimately again way more nourishing than and way more rejuvenating as a deeper relaxation than that passive you know 90 day fiance or whatever is on trash tv it's so fun though it is <laughs> i know i know
1: we're watching top chef like the one that's in Houston right now. Oh, yeah. I'm like, that's oh, I know all, all these spots. people. This is so cool. But it's uh, cool. Anyway, let's talk about um, some other things that we can do to reduce the impact of, of screen time, right? Maybe we can't get away from it entirely, um, but we can do other things to mitigate.
2: Yes. So, like we said, that first hour of rise, 15 minutes in the sun, and that's going to help with melatonin production, which will help to prime that circadian rhythm. There's actually researchers that suspect that bright outdoor light helps children's developing eyes to maintain the correct distance between the lens and the retina. And that helps to keep the vision in focus. Um, this is the American Academy of Ophthalmology and the National Eye Institute. And they actually predict that half of the world's population will be nearsighted by the end of 2050, oh based on the dynamic increase of screen time. And so again, like thinking of evolutionary right. like survival the wrong direction. Right. Like, like, like we're yeah. not improving oh, the wait. function of the natural design uh-huh. we're really inhibiting and uh-huh. interfering with. Um, being able to see long distances, again, was really important. We thought of that hunter-gatherer idea. And this is uh, talked about in that paper. Um, the idea that we were dependent on our eyesight to hunt for food and like feed our families or to watch out for an enemy. That survival upregulation of the ability to see and then protect our Tribe, if you will. Um, also, majority of hours were during the waking sun, and majority of sleep was when the sun was mm-hmm. down. Um, and if we didn't have long-distance eyesight, humans would have died off long ago, right. and you know myopia would be a thing of the past if it if it you know was strictly genetic. And it's it's not. We know that genetics cannot be blamed for the rise in myopia, but what's bigger is the not enough time outdoors in natural light paired with the insult of the blue light and the screen time. And so again, it's not always a light switch. It's this adjustment of what can you add in and then what can you limit and reduce. Um, Dr. Christopher Starr, who's an ophthalmologist, in Cornell Medical College, suggest one to three hours per day spent outside. Um, and this would be in addition to school recess. This is for children. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, the, these are the, those stroller walks that are so important. Right. You can stream and listen to a podcast, sure. ideally yeah, yeah. without earbuds, yep. and just do it on speaker. Um, but that could work really well as a passive use of sure. your phone for yeah, education yeah. Yeah. and still getting that natural light, not looking down at it. Um, But yeah, one to three hours beyond that 15 minutes to prime at rise. Yes. And that's homework for adults too. Not just, Mm -hmm. not just
1: kids, at least getting that hour I think is, is really crucial.
2: Yes. Um, And having
1: kids kind of makes you do that if you're
2: (laughs) taking them outside. Yeah. What's funny, Uh, I was talking to a friend and um, she, she's hilarious. She always says, well, when anyone babysits my kids, you know, like I release the fact that they're not going to feed them necessarily as paleo as I do, mm -hmm. or, you know, grandma or aunt or uncle might. You know, do something different in their type of ways that they communicate with my child. But as long as they give them back to me alive, it's fine. And she said, you know, that the aunt was like oh yeah your kids just didn't want to go outside this whole weekend and she's like hmm. that's not how it works no. you take the kids you put them outside <laughs> like oh, yeah. you don't say do you want to watch Cocoa Melon or go outside you say it's time to go outside and you put them outside and then you give them op- opportunities of would you like to play with chalk or would you like me to push you on the swings or do you want to pick wildflowers or do you want to chase the dog or you know so you can give them autonomy and choice, but as the parent, it's our job to ensure that we are supporting the health and wellness of their bodies and not giving them enough outdoor time. I mean, we've talked on past episodes about um, we can link that one about sterility and the and the mm-hmm. um, microbiome microbiome and, yeah. connection. Mm-hmm. And we talked about playing in the dirt yeah. and the importance of you know the serotonin and influence on our neurotransmitters from soil based organisms and how we when we get our hands in the dirt we're actually inoculating in a different way the body than we will from consuming cultured foods and and taking probiotic capsules. And that whole respiratory tract has a mucosal membrane that needs to be inoculated. We have to breathe in mm-hmm. these compounds to maintain that robust frame okay so outside time
1: big homework assignment yeah um beyond that let's talk about um the dopamine impact a little bit more with with screen time because we know you know that not not only is going to influence our brain chemistry concentration and mood it can also influence our actual eye
2: Eye health. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I made that adrenal catecholamine fight or flight and addictive connection. But dopamine is actually also a known inhibitor of eye growth. I don't think many people acknowledge that at all. And I didn't know that until I was putting this episode together. Yeah. So like not only can it make the child more primed towards ADHD and concentration and focus issues or prime them for addictive tendencies, that dopamine surge from the blue light can actually inhibit their eye growth and it prevents the elongation of the eye so we know on the other end of the spectrum a lack of dopamine results in the eye becoming more elongated and resulting in nearsightedness now the way to get dopamine up is not to rely on that blue light we know that you know dopamine can be stimulated through activity exercise stimulus in natural ways as well Um, But we have seen researchers that have suspected that bright outdoor light helps children's developing eyes and helps, again, to maintain that correct distance between the lens and the retina. Um, And this was, again, that same researcher that suggested that one to three hours minimum. Um, When we get that correct distance between the lens and the retina of the eye, this keeps vision in focus. And so this plays a big role because when children spend too many hours inside, their eyes fail to grow correctly or develop correctly. distance between the lens and the retina becomes too long, and that causes faraway objects to look blurry. We've also seen that when we saw 80 minutes of recess during the school day, fewer children became nearsighted when compared to children that were not required to spend recess outdoors. And then finally, another study showed that for each additional hour that children spend outdoors per week, the risk of nearsightedness dropped by 2%. Per hour. Pretty remarkable. 80 minutes of resource. Recess—that's
1: kind of unheard of. <laughs> sounds like it's necessary. Though. It sounds very necessary, but I think kids are lucky if they're getting twenty to thirty. I
2: think Stella's school does it. They good. get three a okay. day, and oh, good. they also do gardening yeah. at school. Okay, they do their PE outside, which is awesome. Yep. Um, I mean, they're on a fifty-acre campus, and their rite of passage is that when they go through second grade, they get to have recess in the woods, which is pretty rad. So they cool. like, play with sticks and stuff as well. Which again, then they're really getting that whole deep dive of microbiome boost plus the natural light. Yes. And creative play and all of the things. It was so funny. good. Yes. When I went to the school tour, they were like, oh, just so you know, you know, we use like textbooks and mm-hmm. we don't have smart I tablets and we don't yep. do computers. So if you're looking for that and I was like, no, I'm so, <laughs> I'm so overjoyed by this because uh-huh. I think that's the biggest issue. I'm learning that in the public school system that kindergarteners are being given governmentally funded tablets Um, so again there's that whole privacy element that's concerning to me but definitely the impact of that blue light um, versus old school pencil and paper um i I know that penmanship that's a whole other episode and writing and spelling um is becoming super debilitated without needing to do so on a tablet or screen um but you know it's also the emf which is also an entire other episode of that impact of the electromagnetic influence on the neurological system of the child and i'll tell you moving out to hill country and looking at the difference of my 5g tower radius in austin where i was Mm -hmm. in the middle of the city to now, um, which has reduced by, I think it was like 470% was the math I did or something like that, I know I'm sleeping better. Yeah, so, yeah. you um, can feel it out You know, you yes, I am taking it. the CBD, and yes, I am taking our sleep support and relax and regulate, but I know that when I'm like out, I'm out. I'm not constantly in this electrical, charged, sure. anxiety, fight-or-flight mode. Yep. so it yep. all matters. It
1: does. All right, let's chat on um, another thing that we can do to mitigate you know, the screen time. I know we can be guilty of excessive screen time, especially with like launch of programs or this twelve week meal plan that has me staring uh-huh. at the computer so much. yeah, we're on the last last week that's releasing of it. Um, and we love the product so much, and we love you guys so much that we'll do it. But yes. it does mean that there's a lot of crunch time on a screen. Um, what about like um things that that we do in our households?
2: Yeah, so one thing that I'm super guilty of is if you have imperfect vision, and often like with pregnancy, hormones play a big role on vision shifts as well. Um, So I did get my eyes, I guess, You know updated my prescription after having like i think after stella was two but i have not had them again in the last three years i I need to do it and i was reading that if you know you have imperfect vision basically meaning Uh that you've had any form of a prescription in glasses you need to make sure you're wearing the right prescription um especially if you're working at a computer because your eyes and I often like oh I don't really need glasses I right. only need them for nighttime driving um, but this can play a huge role because it actually stresses your eyes to yeah. overfocus focus or or um, stresses the muscle kind of going back to again that carpal tunnel syndrome and that's what drives that CVS um, and then you know even through your optom op- ophthalmologist or optometrist you can request a blue light protective lens mm-hmm. into your glasses yep um you can wear blue blockers which all wear blue blockers but often they're non-prescription based Got it. so okay. again I'm, i feel like i'm like oh shoot yeah. i really need to make that yeah, yeah. investment and do even
1: warby parker does blue blockers with their prescription glasses okay so I need- you can order that just and have consumer. you done that? Or are you doing just that's the, what I do? Okay, um, those, those are my your nice blue blockers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm not wearing them right now. I should be, but <laughs> <laughs> yes. busted. Yes, and they need I need an updated prescription. I can tell.
2: Yes, so um, we have seen though in some systematic reviews that um, the evening wear blue blocking glasses can help with both sleep and mood disorders. Um, And so we will link some blue blockers on our Amazon store. Um, But again, if you are dealing with a prescriptive lens, you know it may be important to get your prescriptive lens adjusted. There are some blue blockers like the old school safety goggles that you can layer on top of eyeglasses. Um, But again, there's been substantial evidence for blue blocking glasses being a successful intervention for reducing sleep onset latency, um, as well as jet lag, and um, especially for individuals that are dealing with shift work schedules um, another thing to think about is just the lighting around you even if there's a glare off of your screen like from nearby windows um, that can actually create a constant hyper focus in the eye so like closing those blinds versus having even a natural sun glare that can create a big distraction and refocus a dark room again if your screen is the only light source So on the days that I do have to work and Brady's sleeping next to me, um, I will open my closet and turn my closet light Mm -hmm. on at least. So it's like I get like that warm old school light to balance out my computer with my blue blockers. And then you know you also want to think about um, trying to be in a well lit space. Excuse me, that has an anti glare screen. So this could be maybe a filter or one of those um, actual screens that you lay layer on your screen, and that could have some of the red filtration or the blue light filtration or some of the red elements in there. Um, You can dim your screen with filter options, and so I actually do both color filter as well as like the nighttime Mm -hmm. filter. So I do double dip. Um, anytime anyone looks at a photo on my on my phone and they think it looks really strange because everything's pretty much red it's red but it's just fine for me yep yep and and apple has those settings on all iphones now and you can kind of go
1: in and manually do some kind of crazy thing like you did and then there's the um flux app that i know i installed on my laptop and that's what causes it to get like darker progressively more orange as the evening goes on and then i know like that kind of tells you once working. i can't see anymore <laughs> I just need to stop working close the laptop
2: there you go there's
1: always more to do the next day
2: yes always always the pile will always be there and that's one of my mantras (laughs) I'm never going to get to the pile and that's okay Uh, all right so another thing to consider is is that glasses
1: as we mentioned you know can be helpful for like the eye strain reduction and the blue blocking element but they can also help to prevent dry eye actually yes um Let's talk a little bit about just priorities in addressing dry eye because this is a really common complaint and especially with the influx of more screen time. I'm seeing it more and more.
2: Yeah. So it's because people actually blink less when they're staring at screens and this can drive more irritation and more dryness to the eye. So um, I actually, with a couple patients that deal with dry eye diagnosis, do different blinking frequency practice um, where we'll actually do like um, different rhythms of blinking um, and this can help to re-wet the cornea and aid with reducing that scratchy irritation Um, so it could be long slow blinks like where you close for five seconds and open and close for five seconds and open then you can do five fast ones like close 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 and then you do it again Close, one, two, three, four, five, open. Close, one, two, three, four, five, open. And then five fast ones. It looks really um, silly if you did that doesn't. in a Zoom meeting. <laughs> But, but truly, it is, you know, one of the best ways. And so there's this 20-20-20 rule um, that was recommended uh, through a study, and it is after 20 minutes of working at your computer, look into the distance 20 feet away for 20 seconds and allow your eyes to refocus. So maybe you have a picture on your wall or some decor or a plant, or you're able to look out a window and focus on the bark of a tree. And um, then you're going to... Um, allow your eyes to refocus and that 20 feet away is a great way to kind of recalibrate and then the american optometric association also suggests that you take a 15 minute break for every two hours of continuous computer use Um, and that's something that ideally would be done again outside maybe you can do grounding with bare feet as well or maybe do a little bit of stretching And then other considerations for dry eye or that stress would be uh, staying hydrated. So drinking plenty of water. So we always say at least half of your body weight in fluid ounces of water is recommended. And um, then we want you to focus on electrolytes with that. So we can link the um, electrolyte recipe that we make with Relax and Regulate, which I love sharing with people with the, it's like a limeade, it's fabulous for summer hydration anyway. And then a big thing with lubrication is omega-3 fatty acids as well as considering EPO or evening primrose oil and or GLA, um, which can come from borage oil. Um, And so this gamma linoleic acid is a good balancing essential fat for our omega-3s. And I always would first start though with the EPA DHA extra. Um, about three capsules daily and as you're listening to this we will probably have released our liquid fish oil or right around the corner super excited about this product because in just one teaspoon of this concentrated omega-3 liquid you can get the same dosage that you would get in over three capsules is that correct it's 1.4 grams um, and uh, you're really going to get a potent punch and really flexible dosage there so this can be appropriate to dose for children and we'll have you know recommendations on the site um, based on weight Um, but this is a really great way especially again if you can't mitigate the screen time at school for your kiddo at least giving him that EPA DHA extra is huge and then in the diet that GLA um, could be achieved through hemp as a food as medicine source so hemp seed would be a great thing to add to smoothies for instance yes fantastic um,
1: and, um, as we're talking nutrients here, um, obviously omega threes, I think are, are kind of the first line mm-hmm. of defense. And, um, that also means getting your two to three times a week of wild caught fish into yes. the diet. In addition to supplementing with omega threes, uh, with our EPA DHA extra, um, let's talk other nutrients of focus and how they impact eye health.
2: Yeah, so when we think about the anatomy of the eye, the eye is particularly concentrated with vessels and nerves. So we're thinking of nutrients that support blood vessels and nerve tissue and when we think of these two areas of the body vessels and nerves we know that they're both very susceptible to oxidative damage so you know when we're talking about like cardiovascular disease and much larger vessels than the tiny vessels in our eyes we're thinking about that hardening of the arteries and that's coming from oxidative stress i often talk about that garden hose that's like outside in the cold that concept of being kind of crunchy and damaged so when we're looking for oxidative damage prevention a key component to eye health is a variety of antioxidants. And two of the powerful antioxidants that have shown to be very supported in literature is luatine and ze- zeanthinin. Is that right? I always say that one wrong. Zeanthin. Zexanthin.
1: Xanthanin. Leuatine and zeaxanthin.
2: And um, when we look at these, these are really power players for the macula of the eye. Um, not only do they repair oxidative damage, which you know will happen naturally by age, but also can be exacerbated by screen time, as well as direct sun. Um, we know that these two compounds play a big role in the macular pigment. And um, also, we know that this pigmentation in the macular area, this yellowish pigment that occurs from the lutein and the zeaxanthin, actually can act as a Blue light protector. So those two antioxidants will play a huge role in reducing the risk of age-related macular degeneration as well as cataract development. Um, when we're looking at supplements, we have both lutein and zeaxanthin in our um, multivitamin, the multi defense, and the multi defense with iron.
1: Okay, and let's talk food sources of lutein so I always think leafy greens is as kind of the biggest source of lutein but leafy greens and brassica are going to be where you find that lutein so we think spinach kale broccoli lettuce parsley um, and cilantro yeah, and then don't
2: discount herbs yeah, herbs yeah. are a great way to get your greens totally. in, especially for those of you that are like kind of more comfortable with the keto carnivore scope or you feel like greens are bloating to you I always say if you don't tolerate vegetables Take a digest aid and or explore our Beat the Bloat program because you might need to plow the microbiome if you're not tolerating greens. In fact, we know greens have compounds like sulfoquinevose, which has been shown to actually combat candida or yeast overgrowth. So sometimes if greens are creating a battle in your belly, that might be an Mm -hmm. indicator that you need to Go purchase our Beat the Blow program and do that six-week gut cleanse. Totally. But as you're working your greens up, herbs are a great entry point for sure. So don't discount those. And then when we're talking about that zeaxanthin, um, this is going to come from more of our orange and yellow pigments. So we're talking about bell peppers or summer squash as great options in this world. Okay. Um, and then
1: I think we talked about already EPA, DHA, extra, and, and multi-defense is kind of the, the go-tos um, for eye health. But um, before we go deeper into nutrients, let's maybe hit some of the common eye disorders that we're dealing with. And, and, um, it is worth saying a lot of the interventions, I think in functional medicine overlap, whether we're talking macular degeneration or glaucoma or cataracts, a lot of them do have, you know, similar root cause.
2: Yeah. And I will just note, um, in the world of, uh, as we go into these, just kind of closing out the food thing, you know, we talk about like with our EPA DHA extra, the importance of Biological sourced compounds. And so, like, you know, the fish actually liver. Um, that we're really focusing on getting that active EPA and DHA we know that our liver and kidneys have to go through 16 and 18 different processes of elongase and desaturase to activate an ALA um, like a leafy green into an EPA or a DHA and so same goes for the lutein and the zeaxanthin if we're thinking about egg yolk for instance like this is the one where like I wouldn't recommend consuming corn maybe for zeaxanthin but we do know that you know if a chicken is actually supplementally fed a non-GMO corn, that they would actually have a rich amount of that compound in the yolk. Um, And so this would be a good source, you know, of, again, grass-fed cows, eating those leafy greens we discussed. You're going to be getting those active antioxidants from the animal that consumes those compounds as well. Sure. Good point.
1: Good point. Just one thing. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So let's hit maybe um, age-related macular degeneration first. I think this is a really common thing that we see in clinic.
2: Yeah, so this is going to cause the loss in the center of the field of vision. Um, in dry macular degeneration, the center of the retina starts to deteriorate. With a wet macular degeneration, there are actually leaky blood vessels that grow under the retina, and we're often going to see blurred vision as the key symptom. And so, you know, the big thing, again, we're looking at is supporting that vascular and neurological function. In cataract, we're going to see a cloudy area in the lens of the eye, and this leads to a decrease in vision. Um, Cataracts tend to develop slowly and can affect both or one eye. And symptoms can include fading of colors, blurry or double vision, halos around light or trouble with bright lights, or difficulty with seeing at night and pretty dynamic night blindness diabetic retinopathy is going to be a complication of diabetes or mismanaged blood sugar levels that affects the eye and this is caused by the blood vessels of the light sensitive tissues in the back of the eye or the retina and at first the diabetic retinopathy can cause no symptoms just kind of some mild vision problems but over time can cause blindness And then we know glaucoma is actually the leading cause of blindness for people over the age of 60. This is an eye condition where there's damage to the optic nerve. Um, And uh, this is the nerve that is vital for good vision. The damage in glaucoma is often caused by abnormally high pressure in the eye. So we're thinking of, in this world, a relaxer that would hold that pressure. So like relax and regulate would be a really fabulous tool for a couple mechanisms. That magnesium bisglycinate is going to help that, again, we're looking at nerves and vessels. So we know that magnesium actually lowers blood pressure and it supports vessel function. So that would be good the magnesium bisglycinate and we know that that form that chelated form of magnesium in our relax and regulate can also support neurological health and so this could actually support that optic nerve itself Um, the other component in relax and regulate the myo inositol plays a big role in insulin sensitivity which could of course support the diabetic retinopathy we know also that relax and regulate, or excuse me, that myo in relax and regulate also can play a role with cellular signaling and neurological health. Um, another one I would think about in our line beyond the multi-defense EPA, DHA, and relax and regulate would be cellular antioxidants. So thinking of the N-acetylcysteine as a powerhouse of an antioxidant and glutathione, that S-acetylated form of glutathione, you know, we really know that that's a big player in the world of antioxidants. Those are the two most potent compounds in our antioxidant family. And we know that those are going to then thus reduce oxidative stress in the retina. And research suggests that NAC and glutathione can be used as an effective therapeutic strategy for glaucoma, um, specifically because it aids in the retina Ganglion cells and optic nerves. And we've seen that the increased levels of glutathione in the eye are inversely related with eye disease, and that both NAC and glutathione would be a good tool to reduce the inflammation associated with cataract. So, again, another argument for cellular antioxidants to just be a great supporter. For an aging parent, not only do we see its great successes with pandemic, um, but just another mechanism for daily aging impact. And if it helps the vessels and nerves of the eyes, we can extend that to vessels and nerves throughout the body, essentially. Totally. So I'd
1: put that, like you know, in that package with the EPA DHA extra and the the multi defense. I would say cellular antioxidants, kind of third tier. Uh, but super important for any eye condition. And then
2: relax and regulate because you know most of those people are going to be on Miralax instead. So you might as well just throw that in there. Yep. Especially Uh, those kiddos, goodness. Um, Another incident just this past week where I had a friend text me and say, didn't you do like a YouTube video on why Miralax is bad? And I was like, yes. So we can link that too. Um, And it was, I think it was called Perfecting Your Poop. mm -hmm. And we talked about how, you know, Miralax has not been approved for pediatric use and actually has been shown to drive potential psychosis in children. Um, So definitely wanting to keep them off of that additive ingredient of the PEG compound and keep them in a nutrient that would support their health and support depth and quality of sleep and all of the good things. Yes, just started giving it to Noah, and uh, so far, rave reviews
1: of him sleeping through the night again, um, which he used to do, and all of a sudden stopped. Um, okay, so sidebar that, um, let's talk um, eye floaters real quick, just before okay. we get into more of the like nutrient and diet strategy.
2: Yeah. So this is something that commonly can happen also with hormone change and just naturally with aging. So you may start to notice like blurry spots or shadows that seem to kind of float around in your vision. And no matter how many, you know, eye drops you squirt, they don't go away. It's not something in your, or on your eye. It's actually inside of your eye. So the inside of the eyeball is made up of a collagen jelly, essentially, called vitreous. And vitreous maintains the shape, that round shape of your eyeball, and that's what keeps the retina in place. So as we age the water and collagen, this is why, again, hydration is key, um, the water and the collagen in the vitreous can separate, And the floaters we see are basically small chunks of collagen floating around in the pockets of the liquefied vitreous. Um, Floaters are so common that 24% of individuals will experience them by age 59, and 87% of individuals after age 80. So it's not going up from there. Um, So definitely a big thing. And when we look at that, we would look for connective tissue support. So I think right away of Bio C Plus as a big powerhouse there. We know that vitamin C does play a role with collagen synthesis. So that would help with that structure of the shape and reduce that degradation. And um, we know also that the Bio C Plus has that big boost of antioxidant protection, including compounds like the quercetin in there, and that acerola cherry, which really enhances that bioavailability of the antioxidant. Thus, again, reducing the oxidative stress. Not as powerful as the NAC and the glutathione, but still a contributor in having that unique collagen impact. Totally. And then you
1: know, foods to support. We'd look at actual collagen added into our diet, into coffee or. Tea, um, and then I think of bone broth as another really Absolutely. therapeutic food if if dealing with floaters. But really, anything eye, hair, skin, nails, connective tissue, all of the things.
2: Yes, and you know, if we're looking big picture, food as medicine, we're thinking of the idea that these conditions are driven by oxidative stress. So we want to battle or offset the oxidative stress by antioxidants. We think of an inflammatory process, so having anti-inflammatory support. We think of the impact of elevated blood sugar levels driving up that blood pressure and stress to the eye or creating that damage of the blood sugar. Um, we know, again, that that kind of rough uh, damaging influence that can occur. We know that high sugars can demyelinate nerves totally. and actually damage and that sheath. The glycation that happens with cataracts can be yes. blood sugar driven too. The age is yep. the advanced yep. glycation end product. So blood sugar regulation, this is where a minimum low glycemic diet, but definitely nutritional ketosis could be used as a tool. And then again, looking specifically at those primary nutrients that have been shown in clinical research to be big powerhouses. Okay. Um, so let's
1: talk about this AREDS trial and... and um, this was a, a study that was done, um, an age-related eye disease study, um, looking at the impact of different nutrients for eye health.
2: Yes. So the A-REDS formula essentially reduced the risk of advanced macular degeneration by 25% in a five-year period. And the nutrients focused were zinc, lutein, zeaxanthin, vitamin C, vitamin E and copper and so we will link that in yes so when you're getting your leafy greens at two to three cups per day like we suggest and then taking two of those multi-defense either with or without iron because iron was not used in this study as a feature you're going to be very close to the lutein goal. You're going to be hitting the zeaxanthin goal. And um, if you wanted to get your zinc and copper up to goal, we could layer in our thyroid optimizer, especially if dealing with weight gain and potential sluggish thyroid. But I will say they used 80 milligrams of zinc in here, which I think is pretty excessive um you know really achieving more of like a 30 milligram on a regular basis and then maybe pulsing that up to 50 if ill i don't like to go too high in any one mineral because i want to make sure that we have balance for other minerals in the body like again the importance of magnesium Um, in the thyroid optimizer there's other antioxidant minerals like selenium which would be supportive and then also noting in the multi-defense you're going to be getting uh, also the lycopene and then a whole suite of phytonutrient compounds, which is where you're getting a lot more antioxidants like pomegranate extract, green tea extract, citrus bioflavonoids in addition to the bioflavonoids in your Bio C+, and so much more. Yes,
1: and a lot of those things you mentioned would be great as kind of food as medicine goals as
2: well for revving up our our antioxidant. Yeah, so again, pretty close to that trial test if you are doing the BioC++, that multi-defense. And then if we wanted to play with the minerals, that's where we'd consider that thyroid optimizer. Sure.
1: Okay, and then proteolytic enzymes have also been shown to be helpful for eye health here.
2: Yeah, so again, if we're thinking of oxidative tissue or damage in the tissue, uh, we want to aid in the repair process or prevent the injury from occurring with proteolytic enzymes, which maintain good supple tissue essentially. So especially in the case of cataract or those floaters that we just talked about, this is where I'd really go for like the inflammasome product in our line. For those proteolytic enzymes that are going to reduce that tissue buildup or that tissue uh, breakdown, and we're going to see less oxidative stress when we employ the inflammazyme at like two to three twice daily, would be a really good approach. There was a study that looked at success in proteolytic um, enzymes supporting the breakdown of floaters, and um, scientifically, this is referred to in the study as the vitreous. uh, opacities opacities thank you goodness gracious and um they used bromelain in that study so you could also layer in in the diet pineapple just make sure that you're not doing this in the form of naked carbs this is a great time if you're using pineapple in the summer to uh cut off that skin and use that as an infusion in your water good idea Um, another great way to boost up those proteolytic enzymes
1: Okay, And then beyond proteolytic enzymes, um, HLA or hyaluronic acid, we think about this as support for connective tissue kind of all over the body. So it makes sense that that would help with eye health as well.
2: Yes. So this is going to help with hydration of the eye. As well as the comfort in the eye and it's going to support the skin and cartilage as a natural anti-inflammatory and playing a role to draw and hold water molecules into a collagen matrix so this is especially with like those floaters and when we see that degradation as a driving process so hyaluronic acid is actually used in eye surgeries to replace the natural fluids in that vitreous space um, so there are topical hyaluronic acid drops that that we can link in the show notes and add into our Amazon store. And that would be a great support, especially if dealing with dry eye disease um, and have been shown to have, in research, added benefit to eye health.
1: Okay. And then we covered NAC and glutathione. I would throw CoQ10 into this mix um, because we know the eyes are very rich in mitochondria or those energy factories of the cell. And so especially with the age-related you know, glaucoma and macular degeneration, that's a very helpful intervention too. And I'd probably start with like two of our CoQ10 complex a day.
2: Yeah, especially again, if this is an individual that is in the more aging population and they're on a statin drug, mm-hmm. then most definitely totally. yep. because they're depleting their CoQ10 stores with the use of that medication. So, yep. absolutely, that'd be a higher need for anyone on a statin drug. And then thinking in the world of antioxidants, we could also explore. Our Brocco Detox, Broccoli Sprout has shown some promising outcomes in eye health, as has turmeric. So our super turmeric could be layered in as an anti-inflammatory, especially if dealing with um, you know more of an eye injury or eye pain or that strain and headache that we get from the excessive screen time.
1: I took that one. Noah tore my cornea um, this winter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, goodness. Yep, yep. Um, and it, it repaired like magic pretty quickly, yep. but...
2: And, and you tried hours. to keep your eye closed more, right? I tried for that to moisture keep it component. closed
1: for the moisture component. I kept um, like an eye patch over yeah. one eye. And unfortunately, I think it was during a time we were like working on some project where I was like, I can't not work. But I had an eye patch. Good. On, and, and I took the inflammation and super turmeric on, on a much higher dose. And then my EPA, DHA to kind of lubricate and got through it in 24 hours.
2: Awesome. And then the last nutrient of focus that I would hit on is our vitamin D. And you know this is one of those that we know is deficient in more than half of the global population. Um, also, we can get more of that vitamin D going full circle for getting three hours in the sun <laughs> instead of just that fifteen minutes. Um, but we do know that vitamin D is especially important in this scenario of eye health to be paired with vitamin K one and K two to ensure that it is going into the bone, it is using for it being used for the immune system and as a pro hormone, but that it's not calcifying or interfering with soft tissues, because we would consider, of course, the eye in that soft tissue world. Mm -hmm. Um, So we would want to see the impact of vitamin D because we've seen vitamin D deficiency linked to macular degeneration, cataracts, diabetic retinopathy, uvitis, dry eye syndrome, and glaucoma. And we know that the vitamin D is incredibly important to protect the longevity of your ocular health and your vision, as well as a lot of those baseline mechanisms of, we know again, inflammation, immune function, and so much more. Okay, so did we do it? I think I we, think did, we it. did it. Yes. So big picture again, if we're looking at food as medicine, thinking of supporting our connective tissue, so that's where we'd be looking at bone broth or collagen peptides, and pairing that with vitamin C rich foods, so like orange and orange zest, getting your berries in. Um, we also are looking at reducing inflammation, leading with our EPA DHA extra in either the concentrated liquid or capsule form of that um, to really get that dense omega-3 aid in the elasticity and the lubrication we may want to also of course layer in food as medicine of wild caught fish two to three times a week and for the gla support with hemp seeds that could go really well in like a raspberry orange smoothie i think i'm going to bust that one out on a youtube channel video soon and then we are looking at getting in our leafy greens our egg yolks for the compounds of the lutein and the zeaxanthin, um, and then big picture supplement goals. Of course, the last thing in diet is to balance our blood sugar levels so that we are managing healthy vessels and not stressing high pressure and or driving those ages those advanced glycation end products so keeping blood sugar levels balanced and considering ketosis would be a big kind of overarching and then in the supplement strategy we would lead with the multi-defense either with or without iron we would layer in the epa dha extra as a first line of defense followed by likely that cellular antiox and or the coq10 complex and then we would have vitamin D and relax and regulate as other players. And then potentially in the fringe world, we would have that Brocco Detox or Super Turmeric. And I overlooked the BioC Plus, but that would be in that like second tier of defense with the cellular antioxidant. Sure. Yep. Yeah. All right. So if you
1: enjoyed today's episode, head on over to Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast, leave us a five-star review along with a couple sentences of why you love the Naturally Nourished podcast. Share this episode with a family member who could benefit or is dealing with some eye health concerns. Um, And you'll find the show notes for today's episode over at naturallynourishedrd.com. That's where we'll link any relevant studies and other goodies that we talked about today.
2: And make at least one or two ways in your household that you can reduce your screen time, talk to your partner, talk to your children, and get outside.
0: Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast.